Hello and welcome to the very first programme of the Family History Show. I'm Clive Glover and I'm here to talk about family history and I'm joined here by Anna Lofts who is interested in learning about her family history and so would like to know how to do it. Hello Anna. Hello. So right now you're interested in history generally. I know that you've got an A-level actually haven't you? Yeah, so I actually took history at GCSE, but I also took it on to A-levels. Um, yeah, I, I am really interested in it. I I just find it fascinating to learn about how people lived in different eras and also um, how I've found that doing it A-level, I learned how things came about. So we there's a unit that we did in education and healthcare, and there's a lot of information there about the NHS and how that came about and how um, that was founded and how education has progressed. Right now, were there any particular periods in um, British history that you you studied, for example? Because obviously one of the things that you might find out when you trace your family history is say, oh my goodness, this person was living in the time of, I don't know, Henry VIII or something like that. And it then puts this sort of national perspective and the international perspective onto your personal family history. That's quite interesting thought, isn't it? Yes, definitely. I think um, so. I think we studied some of maybe like late eighteen hundreds, but most of it was based in the nineteen hundreds. Um, that was like where the history was focused. That was my history teachers listening. They're not going to be very impressed. Um, but yeah, chartism. We studied that. So that was, and then we also studied the oh, we studied the Great Reform Act. So that was due to the eighteen hundreds. Um, so we basically from the eighteen hundreds to kind of mid late 1900s but um it is very true it's interesting to think that some of my relatives would have been living in those times yeah so I mean that's the point now in terms of you wanting to learn about your family history I think it's quite important at the beginning to have some assessment of what it is you really like to know um you can probably go back quite a long way uh in this country because there are lots of good records around but you know there's loads of them you've got to work out how to find them and so on we'll, we'll talk about that in a, a later episode I think but if you, you the, the first thing most people want to do I suppose is to draw a family tree and that's relatively easy to start obviously you've got your parents your grandparents and aunts and uncles you know already uh, um, so that's really one of the things which you can do but you might want to do something a bit more sophisticated obviously if you find photographs you might want to put those all together in some way you might yeah. even want to effectively write a book. That's the thing. I feel like you can take many different approaches when trying to um, discover your family history and gain more insight into it. Um, because you could interview your grandparents, which we can discuss in a later episode because I actually conducted some interviews. Um, but you could also, yeah, go through historical websites or family history websites. There's a lot out there. Um, I think we can discuss that in a later episode as well. But um yeah, there's lots of different ways. Photos are always a good one, I find. I find that that's really interesting because um, you get to see the fashion of the time. Um, black and white photos don't really, ex- or unless you put a filter on, black and white photos don't really exist anymore. Um, so it kind of feels like you're um, handling an archaic <laughs> um, artefact. <laughs> Not really, but it's, it's quite cool. It's not so long ago that, I mean, you still have black and white pictures. My baby photos, for example, are all black and white. Um, Colour photography in a sort of wide sense didn't really come into about the 1960s and 70s. That's quite late. So it means, you know, that 
you, your parents and certainly your grandparents, all their photos probably would be um, black and white, actually. Mm. So, so let alone going back, you know, into the sort of 19th century when they first invented photography. Yeah, photos are interesting because obviously you can not only know this is some ancestor of yours, but you can look at them in some cases and say, gosh, I look exactly like that. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. I've I've had um, uh, situations where I've had that exact realisation um, because some, my granddad, um, my late granddad, he, he looks very much like my brother, I think. Um, so it's quite interesting to see the connections and how like, the DNA is filtered down through the family. Yeah, I think so. The the other thing is really um, that the, the first thing you obviously can do, I mean, you must know some things about your family history anyway, because at some time we've, you've just sat down with your grandparents or whatever, or your parents even, and they've suddenly come out and told you a story about what happened when they were little or something they remember with you know with their family and so on mm. so if you if you sort of sit down and just think about the things you've already been told um that's a good starting point as well um so ha- have you had that sort of um conversation sometimes um so yeah when you said that a situation did spring to mind when i was visiting my grandma on my mum's side um we it was my mum, my brother and i visited her and we sat down and just had a discussion about her family, her family history. And that was really interesting because I ha- we haven't really had um, those conversations before. And I think it's really good to try and bring about those discussions because you don't know when it's going to be your last one. Have you had any situations like that? Well, yeah, yeah I was going to say, you, you didn't write it all down at that point or record it. No, we didn't, but maybe we should have. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. Well, I think that's probably where you want to start in future if you're going to look into your family history. Obviously, you have um, your relatives who are alive at the moment and obviously you need to speak to some of them bef- before too long, depending how old they are. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, it's a good way to start. And obviously, um, if you talk to your grandmother, for example, presumably she would be able to tell you about her parents, probably her grandparents. So straight away, you've gone back several generations and you'll be into the sort of 19th century quite quickly. So there's quite a lot there you could find out straight away without really doing very much other than just talk to people. Talking exactly. to people is a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I don't think we'd have any trouble with that either. But um, I think that's a really good point because when you talk to one person, it's not just their parents, their siblings that they know about. They know about their aunts, their uncles. There's a whole web of family members that I wouldn't know about, but they would. And yeah, have you had situations where you've... Um, discovered your family history through talking to somebody well absolutely i think the other thing is that i remember particularly um when i was quite young um and i have a sister um and my father particularly used to take me and my sister off to meet various people who were were relatives yeah and and there were all sorts of people who i didn't really know except they were sort of relatives in some way i think i had you have to be quite sort of older to start understanding the relationship you have with them. Because sometimes they're just friends uh, rather than actual real relatives. You know, it's auntie so-and-so isn't really an auntie, but just yeah. someone who maybe maybe your parents grew up with in some way, and this sort of thing. And it's quite hard at that point to really understand, as you know, that, that person who you go and see every few months perhaps and lives in this house somewhere or other you, you recognise. Um, and you wonder 
well, you know, what's the relationship? And you don't, re- I mean, you don't <laughs> perhaps think in those terms then, but you know, you find out later that those person, that person is actually somebody who is a relative or perhaps they're not. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I think family history do- isn't just confined to your family. I think you could find out a lot more about just the relationships that your family members had. And pe- I think it's just about finding people who were important in to your relatives and therefore could be therefore um could be sorry could, important to you as well um yeah i think i think it's really important though to have those convers- conversations about um your family history with your me- family members because i do think it really helps you connect with them and makes you feel closer to them and you just have a deeper level of understanding because it's easy to talk about the present and what's going on or the future, what your plans are, but there's, they've lived a whole life. Sometimes I think we forget that like our parents, I sometimes forget my parents lived a whole life before they had me and my brother, my brother and I. Um, Yeah. I think people also people enjoy talking about their family history. I would say. Well, of course they do, but you, you may also find sometimes this thing where there's a particular person who they recognise or mention and then suddenly won't talk about them for some reason, you know, mm, or yeah. we don't talk about them. And so you, you start then digging a little bit. And, of course, you have to be careful not to get too embarrassing about this, but there's possibly a reason why somebody did something which then the whole family turned against them and whatever uh, and this sort of thing. And so there's lots of stuff like that that comes out. So you have to be a little discreet and careful with people when you do, particularly your elderly relatives, because there may be things in the past which they have sort of don't really want to talk about about or something terrible happened you know which they they don't really want to mention um so yeah yeah. i i can i definitely agree with that and there's also what i call the the black sheep of the family there'll be somebody or other who they they talk about say oh oh, we never talk about them you know or they did terrible thing and whatever Uh, and you you finally get to the bottom what it was it may not be something you would regard as being particularly terrible now but obviously something which um at, at the time was a terrible thing to do or not do or whatever it is yeah okay well this is i think what we've done is really sort of skate round the the general view of this now do you have a, a vision of what it is you want to you'd want to um, find i mean would you want to have a family tree yes would you want to write little stories about the, the individuals because you found out what they did where they lived where they where they traveled to and that sort of thing um, or would you perhaps like, you know, a photo collection would be a, a major part of what you'd want to do? I think what I'd want to do is probably interview my older relatives and then maybe just keep, write, make notes as that happens and then type it all up. So I just have it in one central document. And then also, yeah, photos I'd be very interested in because my mum... Um, has a whole collection of photos and I love just looking through them and like seeing what she did when she was younger because they just capture a moment in time and I I really enjoy that process so I think I'd enjoy um, collecting some photos together as well. Okay one of the things that's interesting about photos I mean the, the original photographic process was invented quite a long time ago I think about 1840 originally but it obviously was was very much confined to specialist places like shops on your high street where you could go in and have your family portrait done yeah. and they're quite expensive but obviously you, you do every few years maybe you do that 
but it was much later when people had sort of portable cameras of their own. And yeah. so from about 1870, 1880 onwards, that's when you started to get people, you could afford to buy your own camera. And obviously, therefore, there are photos from that period. Um, but obviously they fade, but the black and white ones don't fade as, as much as some of the others. And actually, you better get to your mum's collection quite quickly because it's actually the 1970s colour ones which fade the most. Really? Um, because in the 1970s, colour was you know more common uh, to do colour photos and you could go yeah. and buy a camera in a local shop you know within a sort of reasonable price and obviously get the film for it and all the rest of it. But the process they use for printing um photos in the 1970s was actually not very good i mean it, it worked fine obviously you got your photos back and they're all pretty photos but the particular dyes and things they use then um have faded very badly and even i've got photos and i look in them and say oh my goodness it's disappeared practically do you think that's so, because um they were just being there was a massive spike in interest for photos so they're just being mass produced and produced more cheaply well, it was, yeah, they had a processes, um, big sort of factories where you sent them off to. I mean, in the 1970s, it was one of these things, there was companies set up that you could um, get your film out of your camera and post it off to them. And a couple of days later or a week later, you got back a pack with all your um, prints in. Oh, talking about disposable cameras, I absolutely love them. And I think my generation do really have fun with them i i think it's such a cool process to take them not knowing what the photo actually looks like and then it's such a nice surprise when you get all of your photos back i know it's expensive but i would say it's actually quite worth it i've i've um got a lot of disposable cameras actually that i've had developed Right. Well, that's because you're not, you know, you're used to this new digital era where we just basically take a photo and you look at it instantly. Yeah. Um, we, we all had to wait to get see what our photos actually look like. But I found with a disposable camera, when you only had the opportunity to take a certain amount, you are more sparing and you actually only take photos that um just better you take better photos anyway look anna thank you it's nice talking to you about this and obviously we'll follow this whole uh, thing through in in future episodes Definitely. and um next time perhaps we'll talk about um whereabouts you can go and find out the information you you want to compile your family tree and your family history so um do listen again same time next week here on radio verum to the family history show thank you for listening bye Hello and welcome to the Family History Show here on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. Uh, I'm Clive Glover and I'm joined by Anna Lofts and we're both going to be talking to you about family history, uh, what it is and how you can find out about your family because your family is a really interesting thing to learn about and uh, we'll try and convince you of that anyway, I think. Yes. So, <laughs> Anna, now last time we mentioned that obviously talking to your relatives is the obvious first place to start and you actually did this recently, not recently, I think you did it for school, didn't you, a school project yes. with your grandparents? Yeah, so um, I'm now in sixth form um but I actually interviewed my two granddads on both my mum and my dad's side in the, um in year six for a project so we were tasked with conducting a project um about a decade and I chose the 1940s so I basically thought of all these interview questions for my grandparents and then I went to each of their houses and interviewed them um, so I asked them questions such as, uh, where did you live? So all these basic questions like, did you ever go on holiday? Um, did your mother make clothes for you? Like, this is my year six brain talking. So I probably would have 
um, ask some different questions now. But I asked some things like, did you have an air raid shelter in your garden? And it was a fascinating thing to do. I loved it because I'd never really spoken to my grandparents about their childhoods before. And when my grandparents were telling me about them, I was taken into another world. I found it so interesting. Um, and there's some really interesting stories that came out of it. But I asked some question. I asked my granddad on my dad's side. I said, did you get bombed often? He said he didn't personally... But in his street, there was a lot of destroyed houses. And one day, a doodle bug landed on the other side of the street to him. And ten houses were destroyed. So he was lucky to not be destroyed. And then I asked him, were you evacuated? So you just find out so many interesting things. And he was he was evacuated um, to a school in Cambridge, um, to boarding school. And he remembered it quite vividly. And I just found it like really interesting. And I think anyone can do it. Like It's such an easy thing to do. And I think your grandparents will be more willing than you think they would be. So that's the only really main thing I've done to find out about my family history. Okay. Well, so, I mean, the, the way you can go about obviously finding out more information, once you've done that, I think that is the way to go. Talk to relatives. Of course, not just your grandparents. It's also perhaps you've got great aunts who are their, their um, uh, siblings, for example, or uncles. Um, you've got your uncles and aunts and all the rest of it. So there's, there's quite a lot of people. And most families, you'll probably find, you know, there's, there's 10 or more people you could speak to theoretically. Yeah. And then obviously, one of the interesting things is to match together the stories they've told you because you probably find that some of them are telling you a slightly different story about the same thing, which is oh, obviously a lesson, lesson to learn. Mm. Um, you know, so uh, that's interesting by itself. And obviously the places they lived in, um, many people, I mean, somewhere like St Albans, it's quite interesting how many families have actually lived there for a long time, as well as obviously plenty of people come in from outside. Um, but you will find quite a few families who have lived in the area for, you know, 100 years. It's not at all unusual. Not the same people. <laughs> no, but a lot of, quite a few people I know, like their whole families have lived in St Albans their whole lives. It's really interesting. Yeah. So um, so then you can start looking wider on, on this. And basically the, the place to start is probably your library. Now, libraries have been sort of cut back quite a lot recently, but they've still got lots of uh, information there available. And in particular in Hertfordshire, um, the Hertfordshire Library Service has an archives, which is actually physically based in County Hall in Hartford and you can actually go there and you can visit there and you can make an appointment to go there and you can ask questions and you can look at various records and what they've got there are records like census records for um, Hertfordshire they've got all sorts of other records like school records you know if you if your great-grandparents uh, one of them was perhaps living in Hertfordshire you might well find their school records somewhere something like that um, See, so that's it's quite fascinating a I had no yeah. idea you could do that the other thing which always surprised me when I first discovered this is that in the past, things were um, written down and sort of lists were made, which you wouldn't really think of. So, for example, um, when a lot of people emigrated from this country uh, to places like Australia and to um, Canada particularly, um, and when they did so, they went on a boat surprise but the list of everybody who traveled on each individual boat was kept very meticulously and those records exist somewhere and you can get hold of those so if you find someone says oh no old auntie so-and-so she went with her family to canada say or something like this and you work out roughly when that could have been or if you find out the year and you then can look it up and you get a list of everybody who was on the particular ship including all oh, 
there she is on the ship. Yeah. Um, and one of my relatives I've discovered recently, who is a sort of distant relative, who's actually in Canada, did send me, in fact, a shipping uh, a list from the, the ship that she travelled on. Though, oddly, she actually was born in Canada, but only just a few months after they arrived. So she uh, uh, travelled on that boat in her mum's tummy, <laughs> basically. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but, Sorry. I mean, it was quite interesting. It's quite interesting. So she's got that sort of record so she knows exactly when her family moved to canada and that's on which boat um that's so amazing that you can find out such detail but i also think it is um really rewarding to actually have your information confirmed or your thoughts confirmed because when you find a record you you actually think wow actually this is correct information you can and then i think it can lead you it's kind of like a knock-on effect you you learn something and then it leads you somewhere else somewhere else somewhere else and you just follow this chain and you're gathering more and more information as you go yeah well i mean the other thing is obviously the, the census we do a census every 10 years mm. uh, i forgot when it started but i think it was about 18 something the beginning of the 19th century and obviously we did a census this year and so you will have been you will have already had your record on this now probably let me see at your age you'll only be on one which is the one the one before that in uh, 2011 yeah um now we ha- haven't seen any of the results yet because it was done in what march this year yeah. that's been done for many years they, they they don't publish the information for 100 years which is basically to avoid publishing details about people who are still alive wow um, that's interesting but what that means is that when they publish it for this year they'll release the next one 100 years ago as one at the same time uh so they won't they they publish a very high level thing like how many people are in the country or whatever a few things but obviously the detailed stuff which is house by house literally so you'll be able to find out a record of of your family if you know the names of people and roughly where they lived do you have to um take part in the census yes Absolutely. Really? I did not yes. really. That's interesting. Oh, well, I'm sure you, if you didn't do it, I'm sure your mum did it for no, you. No, my mum did my, my mum did do it, but <laughs> I just was curious. Yeah, but it, it means that literally everybody is listed there and it's who was in your house that night. It, well, you know, if, if they don't live there, if there was someone was staying with you, you're supposed to list them on, on the record at the time. So these things exist and they go back, I say, uh, probably a couple of hundred years now. So you, you can do quite a good research on this to find out um you know about your relatives find the exact address they lived in if it's somewhere you could go to you might want to go along and have a look and see if that house is still there for example you know exactly you could that that's what i mean it can lead you to do to take an action or it can lead you to conduct more research and then you find out more and more yeah well my sister um basically did most of the work on our family so i've sort of inherited what she's found out and she started when she was a teenager and she did that thing of talking to relatives and so on um but she's also spent when she's gone on holidays around the country at various times she pops into various graveyards and things like that and church records and checks things i think sometimes she's chosen to go to places because of that actually because she sort of suddenly thought oh, i did a holiday in somerset and said, why did you go to somerset um but i mean um so she, that also gives you the records and, and all the churches have 
have the records which are basically birth marriage and death records um and you know you can go there now obviously some some churches are more popular than others and the the vicars and ministers probably get a bit fed up with people coming and asking them if they can look at their records and going back for hundreds of years yeah, yeah. Um, but, it, but if you contact them in advance and particularly say i'm looking for you know fred bloggs who was my ancestor then it's possible to do that um i did read the other day that there's actually a project now to um try and computerize effectively every gravestone in the country Wow. So that in future, at some point, you'll be able to look up and say, oh, I know that my ancestor was buried in this churchyard. And, you know, you'll be able to find that um, it was 27 along on row 16 or something in the the graveyard. Yeah, I think may even take pictures of them all. I don't know. That would be very useful because if you go to a grave site, it's just a graveyard, sorry. Um, It's just very time consuming if you want to actually find the grave of the person, unless you've obviously know exactly where they are they've died more recently well quite a few churches do have some sort of plan but obviously it's relied on various people over the years to keep it up to date and so on so it's, it's more difficult but yeah that, that is an interesting thing um, which um, is coming up i don't know when it it'll probably take years and years to manage to get around because presumably it's hundreds of thousands of graves if not millions eventually mm. um the, the, other, the other thing you can do is obviously you can look at um, other documents. Um, I mentioned like travel ones, particularly on ships, um, and the records were kept for all people travelling on ships. Um, we don't do that. Well, we do on aeroplanes now because those records are just kept with the airline and I don't know how long they keep them. It's not quite the same way of being able to find things. But do you if have you- the right to ask anyone for, the re- for records or are some classified? I don't think you have any rights as such, but you probably could ask, and it's possible. I mean, if you were trying to find somebody who flew out on an aeroplane three years ago, it's probably easy. But if you're looking for someone who did it 50 years ago, mm. I doubt any of the airlines will keep those sort of records. Um, yeah. I mean, but, there, there, like there, but there again, if you knew they were going, say, to America and they were going to go in through New York, you'd probably find there's records in New York of people coming into the country. But I mean, not just travellers. It's obviously people, if they've immigrated to a country, they had to go through Ellis Island and New York Harbour and all that sort of thing to sign in and get the papers and the rest of it. So those things are on records as well. And particularly if, if people went to Australia, it's actually much easier than anybody anywhere else because Australia's got records of absolutely everybody, right, from the first fleet of um, convicts who were landed there back in the sort of 16th, 17th century, I suppose. But I suppose that's the thing. You have to have at least some information before you actually... You have to... I think when you're looking at records or trying to find out some information from a census, you have to kind of go with some information that is kind of going to inform your decision to research something. So I feel like um getting information from a census or records which is not the first stage in finding out your family history i think there's like uh, um from what we've spoken about i feel like there's a chain of kind of action you can take i don't know if you agree well yes i think so i, I mean the the obviously it should be theoretically pretty easy to get the details about some of your um, closest ancestors like your mm-hmm. grandparents and great grandparents but if you go back and you you're going back you know great 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 greats and i've got records effectively of some kind i'm going back for i think eight greats and so my oldest ancestor that we have information on was born in something like 1706 um, which is obviously a very long time ago. Yeah, wow. Um, and most of the, the oldest stuff is comes from church records because obviously in those days, most people um, were um, 
christened they were um, mm. married in church and the rest of it so those things were all kept as records um, the other thing which is a bit more obscure but sometimes you'll find a relative who is famous in some way or infamous perhaps you know um, and those people may well you may well find information about them in local newspapers because again there's archives of local newspapers going back for hundreds of years um, now, in my case, uh, there was one particular relative of mine who was a bit infamous, um, and he, he um, emigrated to Australia, and uh, we found some Australian newspapers recording his um, deeds, which were basically, <laughs> it was nothing illegal, he basically was um, a trade unionist, and he caused mm. a national strike in Australia. See, um, that, that, he'd be a key figure if I was learning about that period in history. Well, yes, I'm sure you would. And it was it's quite famous and there's books about it in, in Australia as well. Um, but we found the, the records, uh, newspaper records um, in Sydney of the, the strike because he was a merchant seaman and he, he basically um, helped organise a national strike to get more money for people like him in his in those jobs, which was an awful job in those days, travelling. Obviously, when you take a ship to Australia from England, it's a very long journey. It's about oh eight God. weeks sometimes. But that takes some mental strength but also and i um just to chip in i think another way that you can find out about your um history is letters from soldiers who've gone to war back to their family i think we did mention letters earlier but that's quite kind of a key way of it, i think that's quite an amazing thing to find because it would be a very intimate um experience to read those letters Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, this is obviously good information here and people can follow up with these things. Um, and we'll look at this again next time when we try and find out some of the other places you can find some records and trace your family history, because it's a really interesting thing to do, but it is quite time consuming. So you yeah. need to understand that. Anyway, thank you, Anna, again. And obviously we'll be, we'll be back next week talking about some other aspect of finding out about your family history. So thank you for listening. And uh, you can uh, listen to this program again, same time next week on Radio Verulam. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs>